0: Brace for impact. Isaiah 7 says this. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. That's a lot of words. There's one guy's name. If you got your own copy of God word, just circle Ahaz because that's the guy who's the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. He is On the he's in the line of David. He's one of the kings that's related to King David, who's a big deal in the Bible, and who Jesus would ultimately come from the line of David. Ahaz is the king of the southern kingdom of Israel in the 700s BC of this land called Judah, and their capital city is Jerusalem. You following me? I know when we read the son of this guy and the son of this guy, immediately you checked out for a minute. I know it. We do it because you get to the begats in Matthew chapter one, and you're like this guy had this guy and this guy had this guy. And this, it's like talking to a, you know, that one, you have that one relative who can tell you how everybody's related at the family reunion. And you know what you do? You start off listening. If you're like me, maybe you're a better person. Okay. And this is what happens about three or four things in I'm zoning out and I'm having a party in my head doing something else. (laughs) And I'm just going, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah hmm because I don't want... Your cousin Bethy, twice removed, had a son with Uncle Arthur, and who had a peg leg, and you're like, I don't care. I love you, but I don't care. It's important. But Ahaz, he's the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah. He's following David's line. That's what you need to know. Ahaz is the king of Judah. Now, Rezin the king of Syria, so you got this other guy, his name is Rezin, and he is the king of Syria, which is a kingdom north of there. Then we have Pekah, the son of Ramalia, the king of Israel. So you heard a bunch of names, the names important are Ahaz, he's the king of Judah, and he is verses. he is these these two northern kingdoms, uh, Rezin and Pekah, have come down from the north and have waged war against Judah. You following me? It's a lot of names to get to this part. There's a war happening. The king of Judah, Ahaz, is surrounded by his enemies. Outnumbered, two to one. And he is holed up because these, these armies are coming. Follow? Let's see, let's see this. Verse two. Oh, uh, sorry, And let's get finished in verse one. The king of Israel came to Jerusalem to wage war against it but could not yet mount an attack against it. And so if you think about this, Ahaz is in the walls of the city of Jerusalem. These two other kings, the one from Syria and the one from Israel, the northern tribes that have split off from Judah, they're up north and they have surrounded Jerusalem. This is a military scene. Now any of us that follow the old military movies, like especially the ones, the medieval ones where you're storming the castle, this should immediately perk your interest because there's about a siege about to happen and the people inside of the gates are getting nervous and the people outside and the people outside of the gates are ready to storm and win the war verse 2 says this when the house of david was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. So when he found out, when Ahaz found out that these two groups were coming against him and they had teamed up against him, he was shaking like a leaf in the wind. He's nervous. Then we go down to verse three. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out. And Isaiah is a prophet. We're in the book of Isaiah so the book of Isaiah contains the prophecies or the words God gave Isaiah to say to different people. And so it's episodic in nature. And there's these different episodes in which Isaiah goes and he tells the people, the kings, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, other, other different groups. He tells them what the Lord had said. And so Isaiah is fulfilling his job as a prophet. And he is telling... He's speaking God's word to Ahaz, and that's what happens in verse three. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out and meet Ahaz, you and Sher jeshub your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway of the washer's field. And that word, that name here, which is not a great name, Sher jeshub and if someone's here named Sher jeshub I love you, I'm not making fun of your name, you're probably not named that, but if you look here, Sher jeshub means a remnant shall return. And so what, I mean, that's better, I guess. Share Jessup is better than naming your kid a remnant shall return. That would be an odd name. Can you imagine that? Brown, remnant shall return. And it's like, oh, I'm right here. Okay, that wouldn't work out too well. That's cool. And so what we have happened here is there's a symbolic nature of this. And he's, Isaiah's taking his son that says remnant shall return. They're gonna meet with Ahaz at this particular place. That's what all those instructions were for. And they're gonna tell Ahaz a good word while he is afraid. There is Fear. Note the theme again, verse four. And say to him, be, qu- be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint, because these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the sons of, Re- of Remalah, because Syria with Ephraim and the sons of Remalah has despised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord, I shall not it shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. And within sixty five years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Ramallah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. And that's a very poetic, very very prophetic way to say this. Don't fear because in 65 years, both of these entities will not be, both Syria and Israel will be destroyed. They're gonna be destroyed by the Assyrians, we'll find out later. And you shouldn't fear because God is going to deliver you. So he's told not to fear. God is going to be with his people and there's going to be a deliverance. Now, verse 10. And i just say it this way. A lot of times when you hear a promise, you want to believe it, but sometimes you struggle to believe it. We want to, we want to see, we want to believe what God has to say, but sometimes we just, we just hope there would be a sign. Well, Here's what we have here. Ahaz, God asked Ahaz to pick a sign. Look in verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord, your God. It will be deep as Sheol and as high as heaven. So just ask for a sign. Do you ever wish there was a sign in life? A indication that God is there, that, that indication of which way you should go? When you face that proverbial fork in the road in life, don't you wish that there was like, like a turn signal that said from God? It was like, get over, go this way. This is a situation in which a sign is offered. And what happens in verse 11 or verse 12? But Ahaz said, I will not ask for a sign. I will not put the Lord to the test. Now God said, hey, pick a sign through Isaiah. And he's like, No. I'm not going to do that. You know, I tell you what, this is what is an expression right here of spiritual pride. We all have spiritual pride if we are honest. And sometimes we like to think we can do things ourselves and God, I can can handle this, I don't need you. A lot of times that leads to our prayerlessness. I know it does in my life is sometimes you want to get it done and you don't want to wait and you think you can handle it on your own. But Ahaz has missed the sign. God's saying, hey, Ask for a sign, I'll give you one. And in his spiritual pride, which is expressing itself in humility, you ever done, Have you ever seen anybody do the humble brag before? You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't need that because I'm so great. It's the impression here. like I'm super holy. I would never put God to the test, so I don't need that. And what happens? God, through Isaiah, gets upset, and he said, "Hear then, O house of David." Is it too little for you to weary men, but now you have to weary God also? You're trying my patience. I asked you, asked you for a sign. Why, how dare you do that? Verse 14, therefore the Lord will give you a sign. And this is our quote from Matthew. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ask for a sign, Ahaz. No, I'm too spiritual to ask for help, God. I told you, you're going to trifle with me? I'm going to give you a sign. And here's the sign. There's going to be a kid born to a virgin named Emmanuel. And then he goes on to say, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the days that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. And so what he is basically saying is, there's gonna be this child that's gonna be born to a lady who is a virgin. So there is right now in Judah, a lady who is not named, who is a virgin, who is going to get married, who is going to have a child. That child is going to be born. They're going to name that child Emmanuel. And before that child reaches the age where he can discern good from evil, which is about the age of two, according to most of the commentators I'm looking at, before they can say, y- y- have you ever tried to like discipline a nine-month-old? Stop. Nah. Okay? They can't discern Good and evil. And so they can't discern what's right or what's wrong. But so, about the age of two, when this kid can eat the curds and the honey, it's kind of like their Cheerios, okay? They didn't have the wonderful Cheerio, which becomes food for, for toddlers, right? I had a friend of mine who would drop, he would get his kid to go get his diaper changed by dro- dropping Cheerios on the ground. It was awesome. He's older now, so I won't tell you his name. But I thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen. I was a long way from being a parent at this point. And so he would drop Cheerios, and the kid would be like, oh, a Cheerio oh, a cheerio, and he would walk him all the way to get his diaper changed. It worked fine, don't judge, okay? So if you wanna know his name later, I won't tell you, okay, but pray for him. Um, if you think about it here, before the child gets to that age where he can eat curds and honey and table food, before it's a lot of toddler age, all this will come to pass, and these kings that have besieged Judah, and especially Jerusalem, they're gonna be destroyed by the king of Assyria, who's coming. So, at first, in context, we follow. In Isaiah's original passage, King Ahaz and Judah, they're beside themselves with fear because they're under siege by Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Israel. They're shaking. They're they're petrified by fear. So God sends his prophet Isaiah to come to this king. Now remember, King Ahaz is on, he's in the line of David, and the Messiah will come out of his lineage. So what happens? The sign that the besiegement of these two other armies, that it will not succeed, is the birth of a child named Emmanuel. This child is born to an unnamed virgin, She'll get married, she'll become pregnant, she'll birth a son, and before that child becomes two, his enemies, Ahaz's enemies, and the enemies of God will be defeated. But if you follow this out, there's more to the story. Now, I want you to get this. When the Bible talks about a prophetic message and something in the Old Testament that's fulfilled in the New Testament, a lot of times what happens is it's partially fulfilled in the Old Testament before it's fully fulfilled in the New Testament, okay? So this was a sign. The birth of this kid was a sign to... To Ahaz, birth of a child was a sign that God's with us and God will not let Judah be destroyed. It's a sign to squelch fear. But if we go on in Isaiah chapter nine, and you know this, you probably heard this around Christmas time, this child Emmanuel has talked more than just some kid born to an unnamed virgin. There's a, fuller, there's a partial fulfillment when the kid Emmanuel was born and all this stuff came to pass, okay? Both Syria and, and Israel are destroyed by the Assyrians. And it happens within this time frame. God fulfilled his promises. Ahaz, when this child was born, it was a sign to Ahaz that so they not give up that God was with them. But this child, this Emmanuel, is talked about in higher terms than just the first fulfillment, which was during this time in 732 BC. Go over to Isaiah chapter nine, and I'll read it to you. It'll be on the screen for you. You know this part. We read it at Christmas time. This is Isaiah chapter nine. It says this, verse six. For to us, a child is born. Anybody heard this before? Almost had heard this before. That's not true. That's not good. Have you heard this before? For unto us a child is born. For to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, I want you to know something. We don't even know who the first Emmanuel was born to. We don't have a name of his mother. We also don't know anything else about him but this one prophecy. We do know that, that uh, Syria and Israel are defeated. So that, that first kid that came along with the name Emmanuel, he couldn't fulfill all those things in Isaiah chapter nine. So what's the Bible doing? It's giving us types. Here's how God's come through for his people before. In the sign of a situation where all hope is lost, a child was born under particular circumstances that gave hope to a people and showed that God was with them. But that was partially fulfilled when that child was born in the 700s B.C. But it is more fully seen with the coming of Emmanuel, Jesus the Christ, who is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the one whose government will not end. There's a way God came through back here in a small way, and in doing so, there's a prophecy given that he will come through ultimately through Jesus. Now, just go back and look at our Matthew passage. I wanna show you these types and how they are fully fulfilled in Jesus. Just think about it for a second. If you go back to Matthew, what do we have? It says that Jesus, the son that will be born to Mary, will be the one to save his people from their sins. So in both situations here, we notice this. The people of God are besieged by something. In the Isaiah passage, they're besieged by physical kingdoms. But in the New Testament story, in the story of the world, everybody is under the bondage and the besiegement of sin. And what happens? In the midst of this hopelessness of sin's bondage, a sign is given. You know what the sign is given? A heightened sign. A virgin shall give birth. Well, you know what? In the New Testament, we get a name to the virgin. Virgin's Mary. And she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. No man involved. And so the one lady in the, in the Isaiah passage in the 700 BCs, she had to, there was a virgin who got married, who then had a child by natural means, but in this situation, in a heightened sense, Jesus comes and he is conceived of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. And he's actually, note this, he is adopted by Joseph. You know who's in the line of King David? Who's in the lineage of King David? A guy named Joseph. And so you know how Jesus gets on the line of David? He's adopted. I just want you to think about this. Our Savior was adopted Because Joseph didn't have anything to do with his conception. And if that's just not a mind-blowing thought, that is just something else. The king of all creation, the creator of life, comes to earth as a child and is adopted to fit into the lineage of David. And so this one fulfills all of that. He is a child born of a virgin and he is the sign, Emmanuel, that God is with us. And he is not just a sign that God is with us. He is literally God with us. Now his name is Jesus, which means Yahweh or God saves. Emmanuel is just the designation that God knows and cares enough to come. Now, I want you to think about the bleak situation that both both Emmanuels were in. In both situations, there is an enemy that can't be beaten by human means. In both situations, by all accounts, two against one always goes in favor of the two and not the one. But God comes through with his people and through a sign shows that he's with his people and delivers them. Well, think about it. We were besieged by sin and our hopeless situation in sin, and we could do nothing to wash or atone for or take care of our sins, but God, in His mercy, showed that He's with us, not by just sending a sign, but sending Himself in the form of Jesus to be with us, to know our struggles to be a faithful and a compassionate high priest because he has suffered like us, but without sin. He has come to the earth and he has proven definitively and reminds us that our hope is sure and God is with us no matter the situation. I want you to know this and I want you to think about this. Despondency, despair, and depression are huge at the holidays. You know that, right? Now, you may not put it on your Instagram or your Pinterest, okay? Because everything is joyful and triumphant on your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook. Everything you want to show the world is, look at how great my life is. Look at how great my family is. And a lot of times, I've noticed this, a lot of times we're just, (laughs) when we put it on there, you just had a fight about 20 minutes ago, okay? And now you're like, come look at how great my life is. Through that pinhole camera... As you're taking a selfie, it might be great, but we know that we we know or you know the opposite might be true. In a situ in a series of despondencies that can have, and across our church body, there are physical infirmities that are sickness that are happening. There are mental illness that people are struggling with. There are so many things. There might be dealing with the, the loss of a loved one and Christmas time reminds us of the loss of this loved one. We could be going through the best time ever, but then also feeling a sense of emptiness because something is lacking, or maybe our relationship with Christ, we're not growing spiritually like we thought we should. Or we're having a setback in our spiritual life. There's any number of things can be going on in those situations. But Christmas should not get lost in all the stuff and the parties and even sometimes even faking the happy. Because we have a sure hope, and our sure hope is this, God is with us. And Christmas is to remind us that God is with us because he did come and he was with us. There's a song that I like to sing, and one of the, the verses in the song says, I'm so glad I learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, save your friend. And I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. I'm gonna read that last line for you one more time. I think it kind of sums up what Emmanuel is here. And I know that he is with me and we will be with me till the end. Do you realize what a game changer it is? That God loved us enough to come and take on flesh. What a game changer it is that now through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in every believer, that he is with us. He's with us at our jobs. And some of you are going to get the, the Sunday night blues in about five hours because you know Monday's coming. Anybody do that? It's coming. But I want you to know this, because Emmanuel, he's with you. He's at He's at your job. Not just to comfort you, but to empower you to be his witness, to empower your life so that your, all of your work would be done for the glory, not as to man, but as to God. He is there. When was the last time you rolled into work on Monday with the idea and the belief that God is with you? And I can imagine it's probably not recent. But this is a time of year when we celebrate light and darkness, That your job may be a dark place. But you are not abandoned by God. He is with us. And you may be, you know, you're going to have to spend some family time this year with some extended family. And for some, that's a joy. And for for some, it starts as a joy and ends as a pain. And sometimes, you are dreading it worse than a root canal. But, if you... And what Christmas is supposed to remind us of is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. You are taking the presence of God with you and dwelt by the Holy Spirit into the family situations. He's with us, He's there. When your brother acts like your brother and you want to hurt him, God is with you. Not to justify your behavior. Remember, no, 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 but to lead you towards truth, forgiveness, love. He's there. You're not alone. When you're sleeping on the futon, when you're sleeping on the couch, and the bar is breaking your back, and you know you're going to be grumpy the next day, he's with us. In the hospital bed, the sick bed, suffering, our God is with us, Emmanuel. He did not stay in heaven, but he came on his rescue mission for the glory of the Father and for the good of all who would trust him for his people. He will save his people from their sins. God cares about us. God is with us. Emmanuel, he is there. Now, I want to invite you, because there is definitely, in a crowd this size, there's definitely some that are apart from God. And I want you to know something. Emmanuel coming not only reminds the believer that, that God is with us in the, in the person of the Spirit in all times, in all situations. That's not just for that, but for you who do not know Jesus You can have your sins forgiven, and you can pass from death to life, and you can go from being separated to God to being never away from God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I invite you to trust Christ, to turn from your sins and trust Him. I invite you in the strongest terms possible because He is God with us, and there is no one that understands you like God. There is no one who can set you free but Jesus. There is no other. he is with us. And if you think God doesn't care about you, no, he came. He came and he loves. He is God with us. Emmanuel. So here's how I want us to wrap it up today. A few minutes, we're going to take communion. But I want us to pray. God, may speak in different situations. You may need to be reminded today, in whatever area of your life, that God is with you. And we need to spend some time as we'll have a song that's going to be played in a video. And as we watch that, I want us to contemplate what it means that God is with us. And take that truth and hide it deep in our hearts and use it as fuel for the fire of our faith. And for some, it may be that you need to trust Christ and you need at the end of our time together, you need to come and, and talk with me. And I'd be glad to share with you and talk to you more about what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. But in these minutes, We're going to watch this video and and be reminded that God is with us. Secondly, what we're going to do is, in the middle of the time of the singing, just so you're not not, uh, taken by surprise, we're going to pass out communion. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, welcome you to take communion with us. It's a sign that God is with us. It's a sign of his body broken and his blood spilled. So we're going to do that. As I as say, we'll do that together, but just know in the middle of this video coming out, that's what's going to happen. So let me pray for us, and we'll, we'll, we'll respond. Father, thank you that you are with us. Thank you for this truth of Emmanuel. And we pray as we come to this time um, that we will respond to you as we ought. That you bring comfort, fan into flame our faith. And Lord, that you would... Um, bring some from death to life, and that they might trust you. And we pray as we respond, God. (laughs) i <laughs> good reminder that our god is with us and we are supposed to celebrate communion until jesus returns and this is a great reminder that he has saved his people from their sins through his broken body and his shed blood on the night when he was betrayed he was in the upper room with his disciples and when he took bread and broke it, he said this is my body broken for you take and eat In like manner he took the cup after supper he said this is the new covenant in my blood taking a and drink and often as we do this we proclaim the lord's death until he comes let's pray together father help us help us to walk with the, with a understanding of the reality of your presence help us to remember at this season what you have done for us that you have shed your blood that you have, your body was broken, that you have been God with us, and you are God with us, and we are never far from you. Thank you for that truth, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you would, let's stand and be dismissed with these words. Matthew chapter 1, that we just read today. I want you to walk out with this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Walk knowing, walk out of here knowing that God is with us. You're dismissed. God bless you.